One other thing I'd like to share uh, today is the Bible tells us in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, that he has to destroy unsaved man. And we shouldn't have a delight in seeing God destroy the wicked either. We should always desire the best for our fellow man. We should always. You, you know, during the day of salvation, we don't know who God was God has saved. We don't know who he was going to save. So when God gave us the command to go forth with the gospel, we share it with everyone. Whether they're a homeless person or whether they're in a castle, that's what we desired for everybody, that God would save that person. So you see that God has no delight in destroying anybody, but His he must carry do what he says. He must do what he says because God is God. He's a just God and he he has to destroy the wicked and he has no pleasure in it. But leading up to May 21, let, let, let me read that verse I quoted from in Ezekiel 33 verse 11. Here God says, Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, Turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? He has no delight in destroying the wicked. That's why leading up to May 21, a few years ago, what was the message that was coming out of uh, e-Bible and family radio at that point? Cry to God. Cry to God for mercy. Cry to God. And the cry to God is a faithful uh, word in the Bible. You know, God, uh, look at, um, I think the verse is in Joel. Hosea, Joel. In Joel chapter 2, this was the message that was being sent forth because God was saving a great multitude leading up to May 21. Millions of people all over the world God was saving. And in uh, Joel chapter 2 verse 12, here we read, therefore also now says Jehovah, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Turn unto Jehovah your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto Jehovah your God. And that was the that was the the message that went out before the door of heaven was closed on May 21, 2011. So and it went out far and wide all through the whole world that God was saving a great multitude. And in verse 16 of the same chapter it says, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children. And those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go forth of all his chamber and the bride out of his closet. So that was the message that went out uh, leading up to May 21, that God was saving a great multitude. And you remember talking to your families and your children, cry out to God for mercy, cry out to God for mercy. God is saving a great multitude. And that's what we desired for the peoples of the world at that leading up to May 21 before the door was closed. You remember the passage here, and I think is. uh uh, I think it's Jonah, I think. In Jonah. Cry to God is a biblical word. You remember people accused Chris of 
uh, that same thing, cry to God, McCann. <laughs> but it is a, it is a, uh, in Jonah chapter three, remember the warning that came to Nineveh? In Jonah chapter three, verses eight and nine. And it says, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. See, cry to God, cry to God. That was, that was the, to command, uh, Jonah, uh, brought to, uh, Nineveh from God. Yea, let them, let, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell? Remember, we would always encourage people leading up to May 21. Who could tell? You may want to be one of God's you left. You don't know. Cry to God. Cry to God. And God did save a great multitude uh, during the day of salvation before the door to heaven was closed on May 21. You see, so that's the command that went out from me. Bible and family radio. We should cry out to God for mercy. And we know that God saved a great multitude. We don't know who this great multitude is. But he did save a great multitude of people throughout the world. And now the door to heaven is closed. And now God tells us he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None whatsoever. He takes no pleasure in these things, in destroying man that was made in his own image. You know, man was created to worship God. And man rebelled against God. And and God uh, had to curse man and the earth and so forth. And now the door to heaven is closed and there is no more hope that if that person is not saved today that he will ever become saved. You know, many want the door to be open again, but it's not happening. The door to heaven is closed. God has saved his elect. And now we're living in a day where all the signs are pointing to October 7th that that could be the day that God completes his salvation plan and takes his people home and create new heavens and new earth and the wicked will be destroyed. God will do it. God will destroy the wicked and we should never have that, you know, hear people say, oh, you're going to get yours. We should never do that. We should never, never do that. Desiring that somebody will be destroyed either because the true child of God loves the things that God loves. You see, we want God's perfect will to be done. That's what the true believer was. We want God's will to be done no matter what it is. And that's how the true believer should approach things. Lord, may your will be done. If uh, we're looking for that October 7th to be the last day, and if on outside possibly that we may be incorrect, we say, oh, Lord, may your perfect will be done. And we leave it in God's hands. But God has no delight in it. But God delights in something. Uh he, there are many verses in the Bible that God tells us. Look at um, Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Psalm 147, verse 10. 10 and 11. Here he tells us. Uh, let's start at verse 9. Psalm 147, verse 9. He giveth to the beasts his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of an horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. Jehovah taketh pleasure in them that fear him. And fearing God means to what? Be obedient to him. He taketh, taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. 
That's what God it takes pleasure in. It takes pleasure in those who are being obedient to His commandment. See, and he goes on and uh, look at, turn over to Psalm 149, verse 4. Psalm 149, verse 4. For Jehovah taketh pleasure in his people, not in the wicked. His people are those, the elect. He, he takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in in glory, let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Praise ye Jehovah. So you see another thing that he takes pleasure in. God takes pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in his people. And you see the same thing there in, like in Jeremiah, I believe. Another scripture verse in Jeremiah, chapter 9, verse 23. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, there we read, Thus said Jehovah, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth, let him glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth him. And I am Jehovah, which execute loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith Jehovah. So you see, one of the other things that he delighted in read through the next two verses, Behold, the days come, saith Jehovah, that I will punish all that which are circumcised with the uncircumcised, Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. So you see how God, he delights in loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. He delights in these things. So you see, he, you see, he has no delight in destroying man, but he tells us the things that he takes pleasure and delight in. And we will take pleasure and delight in the same things that God delights in, because when God saves us, he's given us his Holy Spirit, which is God indwelling us. And we are going to take delight in the same things that he delights in because we are his sons and daughters. So we, 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 we delight in God's word. You know, what's the things about, thing about a child of God is we delight in the word of God. We, we rejoice in the fact that that we're right at the very end of the world. That see, we're seeing verses that, that October 7th and in that strong, strong, strong likelihood that it will be that day, and we look forward for the coming of our Lord to fulfill His promises to His people, and we rejoice in that. That you know, you think about believers been waiting, waiting, and waiting for thousands of years for this to happen, and we're living in a day where it's, the time is just ripe for that to happen. Because when you look at the multiplication of sin in this world, 
And you see man's rebellion against God. And it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And you, you, how can it not be that this will be that, that day? But, you know, we have the humble say we are human. But is every time in the world we're living in now when you see the wickedness of man, and you could just name it, name it, and you see man is just shaking his fist at God, and they're daring, you know, I'm going to do what I, I'm going to do, and who's to stop me? And you look at the, 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 the laws of the land that are being changed to accommodate man's sin in virtually everything. You see the destruction of the family. You see, here we say, as you know, just as much as I do, two men are getting married. How, you know, you're like, even people in the world are taken aback by this. How could this be? But it is happening because the Bible talks about it. You know, the Bible talks about it. Look at the church. Churches don't even recognize what truth is if you show it, you know, <laughs> nothing. I mean, it's, it's sad. But this world is just ready to be destroyed and, and for the end to come. And I firmly believe we're living in that day, which we're right on, let's think about it, in a few days. In a few days, this could be all gone. Uh, and this, and you think about the wonderful promises that God has given to us, that this world will never come into mind anymore. We can't even begin to fathom that. We, well, it won't be remembered. And in the very presence of God, there in in the new heaven and your new earth, when God is in the midst of His people, no longer will we have to uh, struggle with sin or the sinful bodies that we're living in, and we're right on the very edge of of eternity. That this, in our day, will be fulfilled. Who would have thought that would be alive during this time? I sure didn't. <laughs> but you know, but here we are in living in this time. I see there is no better time than ever for this to be fulfilled. I mean, we're right there. We're right at the very end edge of eternity. And we, we hope and, and pray that this might be the day when the Lord uh, takes us home to be with them forevermore. And you, we should rejoice, if you're a child of God, that this could happen in, in, a, in another few days. You count the hours and the minutes and the second. And we look forward for that day when it, it, it does come in. And, and we delight in these, these things. Uh, remember, uh, Paul the Apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how he says he delight in God after the inward man. These are delighting in God's people about God's word. We should rejoice in, in God's word at all times because there is nothing else better for us to do than, than, than uh, the child of God would rather do than read God's word and meditate upon his promises. And, 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 and pray and hope that this will come to pass. Uh, turn over to Psalm 119. You read, when you go through the book of Psalm and you read through it, you see how God talks about how the child of God loves the word of God. Because remember, we, we delight in the same thing that God delights in. We delight in the word of God and we, we rest in his promises that we know for a fact that whatever God says, he will do it. And we, 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 we patiently wait upon God because He gives us all His wonderful promises to the true believer that He will never leave us or forsake us. No matter what we're going through in this life, God is with us 
and 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 what what a promise it's like when you read the bible god just goes overboard to remind his people that he is with us he he will be our guide even unto death he guides the path of the true believers he he he's there with us forevermore so no matter what the child of god is going through in this life it's nothing to be compared to the new heaven and new earth Nothing much. It's only only we're only in this life for a moment, you know. That's it. Uh, Psalm one nineteen verse uh, verse sixteen. They read here. They're speaking about the true believers. I will delight myself in thy statutes, which is God's word, the Bible. I will not forget thy word. This is it speaks for the true believers. We will not forget. God's word because we delight in it. God has given us a new heart and we're going to delight in God's word. And read through this entire Psalms, you see the same thing. Look at verse 35. Make me to go in thy path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. We delight in God's word, the Bible. It's, it's, it's a fact. Uh, look at verse 46. 46 and 47. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. This is the rejoicing of the true believer's heart. We delight in God's testimonies, his statutes, which is the word of God, and we delight, we delight in these things. You know, when when God began to open up the hearts of his people to, to this, to the timeline in the Bible, you know, that true believer's eyes was just lit up. And we check it out in the Bible, you see it's so, oh, this is a timeline that you see ends up on May 21. And here, here's another, a line from May 21 to October 7th. Oh, could this be the day? And we, we, we rejoice in that as we, we have this great hope that it will happen. And that is what we want. We want what God wants, not what man wants. The true believer wants what God wants. And, and we long for that to happen. Every true believer have a longing in their heart for God to fulfill his promises to his people. It's, it's a longing there. You know, in this world, you, you get tired and God's people at this point are getting tired. And there's a longing to be with Christ in the true believer's heart. We, that's what we want. And if you would look at, um, Psalm 63. That's why the end of the Psalms are so beautiful for the child of God. The whole Bible is. But in Psalm 63, verse 1, in Psalm 63, verse 1, uh, we'll read down to verse 4. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longs for thee as in a dry land, as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory. So I, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. There is a longing for God, God's people to be with Christ. There, this is not our home. We shouldn't feel comfortable in this world like the unsafe. You know, remember all the, remember, uh, in the reading, uh, uh, Hebrews 11, 
they're, they're, the Old Testament believers, they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God himself. They're, they're, this is, we're, we're strangers and pilgrims in this life. This is, we're living in a foreign land, if you want to say that, the true believers is. So we don't look at the world as the way the unsaved man does, because this is where he has all his hopes. This is where he has all his dreams. And this is what he has. So when this world is threatened by a, a disaster of, of some kind, he's, he's worried. He's worried about global warming. He's worried about resources running out. He's worried about this and the other. But this is not the true believer's uh, uh, hope. He's not, he's not in this life. The unsaved man, he's shown how miserable he is because God says, in this world you have hope. You are of all men most miserable. And this is all he has to look forward to. So he doesn't want to see anything happen to it. But for the true believers, we have a great hope, which Christ is hope. He is the essence of what hope is. And his hope will never fail us. Because when God promises us something, he, he has always fulfilled all his promises. So you read the Bible, he's, he's fulfilled all his promises to his people. Has he said something or will he not do it? Of course he will. God will fulfill his promises to his people. That's, that's absolutely guaranteed that he will do it. So we have that great hope and a longing for him to fulfill his promises. But he does it in his time, not when we think it should happen. And now we're living in that day when we have that great hope that he will. He will do, do what he says. Um, turn over to Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse 1 to 4. Here we read, How amenable are thy tabernacles, O Jehovah of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of Jehovah. See where God's, God, God's people's soul longs to be with, with the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out, crieth out for the living God. You know, this body of ours that is not saved, you know, it's, you know, you have, God saves us. You know, He saves His people. He gives us a new resurrected soul. God indwells us. But he leaves us in this body. And it's, it's a, oh, it's a trouble for the true believers. <laughs> it's a trouble. You gotta drag it around with us for how many years God may give us to live. And we have to drag it around with us. It gets sick. It, it was still in a body that's potential to fall into sin. And you just say, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And we thank God, as God moved the Apostle Paul to say, is we thank God that Christ will. He will deliver us from this body by giving us a new resurrected bodies to fit the soul. And he saves us and he leaves us in this world. Wouldn't that be something if he saves us and then he, he, he takes us out instantly? No. The body is a test. It is a test to us and it's a bother to us and we have to live in it. And it's, it's weighs us down, it weighs us down. But by God's mercy, by God's mercy and His strength, you remember the, um, uh, the demoniac? I turn over to this verse here for a second. It's in Mark, I think it's Mark chapter 5. Here's this man, it's a picture of salvation. I think it's in Mark chapter 5, and God speaks about that man. In Mark chapter 5, I believe it is. Here's a picture of, a picture of us, you know, when God sa saves us. But I kind of pick up the context of you a little bit. 
in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Uh, let's go down to, I don't want to read the whole chapter, but over in verse, in verse 15, I believe, verse 15 of Mark 5. And this is an excellent picture of, of salvation. And verse 15 says, And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and, ha and, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And then before we're saved, you know, we're not in our right mind. We, we are uh, mad, the Bible tells us. Here he is. He's clothed with Christ's righteousness. And now he's in his right mind. And he says, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he, he that had uh, been possessed with the, with, the, with the devil prayed him that he might be with them. So my point is that when God saves us, where do we want to be? We want to be with Christ. And here God saves this man. Now he's clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Spiritually, he's in his right mind. And immediately, he wanted to be with Christ. It's a picture of us when we become saved. We want to be with Christ immediately, right away. But no. But you read on a little bit further in verse 19. How be it? Jesus suffered him. But, but saith unto him, go home. This is during the, when the gospel is going forth. Let's go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. So remember, during the church age, the command was we become saved. We have a command. We go out with, with the gospel. Although we have a desire to be with Christ, we, he gave us work to do. He saves us, he leaves us in this body, and he gives us a command to go with the gospel during when the during the church age when the gospel is going forth. And did he obey? Yes. In verse 20. And he departed and began to publish in the copulous how great things Jesus had done for him, and and all men did marvel. And he went on. But my point is immediately when God saves us, you think he would take us back to heaven with him in it right then and there, but no. He he he, he has given us work to do to go in the work world with, 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 with the gospel and here this man, God saved him. He instantly got God instantly gave him the desire to be with Christ. But no, no, he gives us work to do, and the true believers we are going to obey what he says. We're gonna obey what he says because during the church age and so forth, God was saving uh, people right up until May 21. So we, 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 he, we, we will obey what God tells us to do. Uh, and then look at, um, go back over to Psalm 84. 
Psalm 84, go back over there and we're going to read verse 10. We read verses 1 to 4 and now we're going to read verses 10 to 12 of Psalm 84. He says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For Jehovah God is a sun and shield. Jehovah will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And we walk uprightly because of what Christ has done for us. You see, so God will fulfill what he says he will do. He will not withhold it from us. Remember, he freely gives us all things. You know, the true believers, they're the ones going to be the inheritors of the new heaven and earth. He will not hold back what 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 he says he will do. He God will do what he says, what he has promised. Uh turn to Proverbs Proverbs chapter 10 verses 22 to 24. The blessing of Jehovah it maketh rich. Salvation. You know, we're we're rich, not in earthly possessions. He addeth no sorrow with it. You know, he had no sorrow to this, to, to, to it. The wicked, the wicked is, is the opposite. And it goes on. It is, it is, it is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. God will grant us our desire. And what is our desire? It's to be with Christ. It will be granted. It's not a maybe or or whatever it is. No, God says the desire of the righteous shall be granted. He will fulfill his 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 promises with his people. If you look at I think it's uh turn back over to Psalm 145. 145 is a passage there. There's a beautiful verses in Psalm 145, verse 18, I believe it is. Psalm 145, start reading in verse 18. Here we read, Jehovah is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth, which are the true believers. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will fulfill it. And it says, he also will hear their cry and will save them. Jehovah preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. Remember I said earlier, he has no pleasure in destroying the wicked. But he says he will destroy them. Because remember what God says, the wages of sin is death. It is the law of God. And it says, my mouth shall speak the praise of Jehovah and let all all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. But here he says there that he will fulfill the desire of his people. He will he will create new heavens and new earth. He will give us new uh, resurrected bodies. And there we, we will be with him throughout all eternity. And that is an absolute fact. The Bible teaches us that he will do it. Um, 
and look at another passage in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 to 24. Here, God is moving the apostle to write this. It says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We've gained something, the true believer at death. We've gained something, you see. And says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose and what not. For I am, be for I am in a street betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. See the desire that the true believer here? We have a desire to be with Christ. We have a true desire to be with Christ. And it never goes away. God has placed it there. See, until we come into his presence forevermore. And uh, look at, I think it's John, read this earlier today, John 14. In John 14, in verse 1, God says, Let not your heart be troubled. Should we be troubled about anything? Remember, if you're a child of God, remember now you're safe and secured in Christ forevermore. And when you read, uh, I think it's Romans 8 or 7, he says nothing will separate us from the love of God. You see how God, he goes overboard to tell us. He's our shield. He's our deliverer. He's all these things to the child of God. And only thing God has to say, say it once. And that would be enough for for should be enough for for us, but he goes over the same thing over and over again because he knows we're 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 humans, and that we, we read it once we don't get it, and he he says it again, and he says it again, you know, and on my head is hard as a rock, and he says over and over again to us that you know he tells us and says he says let not your heart be troubled, ye believe and believe is a you have to study that throughout the Bible, believe in God, believe also in me. You see, and it goes on, in my father's house and many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says what? He will come again. He will come again. And he says, and to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. See, so he does give us all these assurances that he's, he's there, he's with us, he's with us over and over and over again. And here we're living in that day when you know, from all what I could see in the Bible, that we're all we're almost there. We're almost there when the Lord comes and He takes us back with Him to be with Him in glory forevermore. Not only for ten thousand years, eternity has no end to it. It has no end, and we can't even wrap our minds around that. We're creatures of time. We understand what ten thousand years is, or a year, or, or a month, or but eternity. We don't know what that is. We can't picture the new heaven and the earth. We're not capable of, of, of understanding that. We can't draw a picture of that. It's the true believer's life is the life of faith. It's, it's faith. You know, we're living in a world where a man wants to see the God who he worships. So he builds a statue, he decorates it, and he falls down before it. Because he wants to see the God he worships. But the true believer doesn't do that. We, we worship God. We know that He is, and He and and we know that God is is real. He's not. I heard this one guy said the other day. He think God was a man, old man with a long beard, and have 
you know, just sitting there, just, you know, whatever he's saying, but it's not so. God is, he inhabits eternity. God is from everlasting past. And all these things he says about himself, and, and we can't understand that. We can't wrap our little minds around it. We're not capable. I even believe in the new heaven and new earth. We're going to be learning about him throughout all the ages to come. God is infinite. He has no beginning. Can we understand somebody who has no beginning and no end? We cannot. We cannot. He's not sitting idly by in heaven, you know, just can't wait to, you know, whip us over the head. God is merciful, as you read in the Bible. He's long-suffering, he's patient, and he's kind, but he doesn't hold his anger forever. You know, he's... He's, he, he's all these things. But it comes a time when God's a God of judgment. He, we, we, we've learned so far that he has closed the door to heaven. He will not open it back up, as some might believe. It is closed. His elect are safe and secured in Christ. This world now is on a spiritual judgment. You see, unsaved man, he walks around like, what are you talking about? He's under judgment. And we're living in that day when we're right at the very end of the age. Uh, let us turn to Revelation 21. He's fitting to close this on, the, on that passage of, of uh, Revelation 21. And there we read, And I saw new heavens and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there were no more sea. This world here is not forever. It passes away. He will, he's gonna, he's gonna destroy it. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself Never again, we we'll always be with him. God himself shall be with them and be their God. God will be in the midst of his people forevermore. They will no longer in a separation, you know, as it, as it is now. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. This world is all gone. It's all forgotten. Will not even be remembered or come into mind anymore. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Every time I read this verse, I have this picture in my head that God has signed it because he's true. It's one of his name. God is true. And he and faithful is, is one of his name. So he, he, I could almost see my thinking of years ago when I read it as if he's signing this. This is so. You know, when you put your signature on a document, you, you know, you're approving of it. And it says, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And this is the great hope of the true believers. That we will be with him, with Christ forevermore. 
what? You can't get no better than this for the child of God. In this world, these things are temporal. You can lose them in a second. But we, we seek after things that is eternal. Remember, God tells us in Colossians, we seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. That's where our heart is. We look away from this, this life and put our, our minds around heavenly things, eternal things. Because these things in this life, it corrupts, it, it, it fades away, and these things. But this is not where, this is not our lot in this life. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. We ask that you will, that you were glorified in all things. We thank you, Lord, for each one of us here. We pray, O oh Lord, for the remaining of this day, for Chris's study and the question and answer and the fellowship time together. Oh, Lord, all we see right now, that October 7th, in that strong, strong, strong likelihood that this will be the day when we will see you face to face in the new heaven and new earth. And we have this great hope that it will happen. But, oh, Lord, we continue to wait upon thee. Oh, Lord, your people have been waiting for this day. And could it be so? Could it be this day that October 7th is the day? And, oh, Lord, we... Pray for our families, our children. Continue to pray for them. And we pray for our friends, co-workers. Oh, Lord, we don't know who the elect are, but thou knowest it. And, oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And we pray, oh, Lord, as we go home to our homes, oh, Lord, that we continue to read the Bible and hope that this is that will be the day. We thank you, Lord, for that great mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.